Welcome back to Division One Rejects, another great episode. I'm sorry that uh, you can't see our two smiling faces, but I know we're pretty excited to get this one started off, right, Zach? Yeah. Yes, sir. <laughs> We've got two great guests today, per usual. First, we'll have Jaron Duhart, the defensive backs coach. He's assistant coach there at uh, Wayne State University, where he actually played, started over 40 games. So then we'll talk to him, absolute stud in college. Now he's coaching there for the Warriors. Then we'll be joined by Nick Stallworth, who is... Yet another stud. This guy's a linebacker from Siena Heights in the NAIA's WAC conference. That is Wolverine Hoosier Athletic Conference, which I've been, uh, you know, trying to figure that out. But um, that'll be the third guy I've had on from that conference, second from Siena Heights. So really excited to kind of expand that NAIA player base. I think that's such a sweet niche uh, for football, especially in Michigan, where we mm -hmm. have all these different uh, leagues. But talking to, to some uh, NFL topics today we have obviously the reactions from the conference championship games this weekend afc nfc championship we'll get to here pretty soon after our conversation with jaron duhart um, but then after that we want to talk about philip rivers who's stepping away and officially has announced his retirement after 17 years in the league and we will decide if he deserves oh excuse me deserves to be a hall of fame quarterback so i know we have some a little bit differing opinions on that so it should make for a pretty good conversation pretty good conversation there but um after that, we talked to Nick. We'll get into some college football. And it's a little bit different college football talk today, I think. We don't get to talk about this type of stuff too often. Obviously, the news is going to change up a little bit when you don't have any more games going on. But um, college football definitely did blow up so, on uh, socials and stuff like that. So we'll talk about two schools that violated NCAA recruiting rules, which is kind of interesting. And let's just say I'm loving it. That goes out to Tennessee and their McDonald's bags. But more into that at, and <laughs> towards the end of the episode. So make sure you stick around. Otherwise, you can find us on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, wherever you get your podcast. Hit us up on Twitter at D1 underscore rejects or Instagram at Division One Rejects. Really appreciate all your support. Let's get right into that first conversation with Jaron Duhart. Our first guest on today's episode ranks second all-time at Wayne State in past breakups. He played in 47 games in his four years with the Warriors and now is back with Wayne, helping coach the defensive backs where last year their position group had three all-GLIAC honors. It's Coach Jaron Duhart. What's going on, Coach? How are you? Man, what's going on? It's nice to be here. Thanks for having me. Seriously excited to get you on. And I uh, really am because I know I um, have some guys on from Wayne really trying to get uh, fill out the coaches from the GLIAC. I know we had... Uh, some guys on, obviously from Northern, that's that's a must. But then Saginaw Valley, looking potentially to get some guys on from Tech, if you can believe that. Okay, okay. Yeah, no, yeah, you guys got a little rivalry up there, man. It, yeah, you definitely. Yeah, exactly. And they have, uh, <laughs> they've gotten the better half of us the last, I believe it's at 10 years now. So that's like, you know, more than a stain on the record. I know these guys are just so fed up with hearing that. Man, that, that, uh, that definitely sounds like unfinished business for you guys, man. A hundred percent. And I know I visited tech too, and I, I was really looking into them. It just came down to academically, like they just didn't have what I wanted to do, um, being with like the TV and radio side of thing, but, um, their football program, obviously they're doing something right up there. They've won some great games. Now who, for you guys, who is that, who is that team that you mark on the schedule every year? I guess I don't, I don't really know off the top of my head. Um, honestly, man, we kind of mark everybody. <laughs> there you go. I like I mean, that answer. Honestly, yeah. I mean, like we do, man. Um, you know, like we're the we're the we're the kind of team we get everybody's best shot, man. Um, you know, whether it's just you guys, whether it's just Northwood or Saginaw, Ferris, uh, GV Tech, you know, we seem to get everybody's best shot. So, um, the Gleag has some really good competition, and we kind of look forward to uh, to playing everybody. So, yeah, hundred uh, percent. The Gleag's a fun conference. Man. 
Yeah, that's great. And you guys, the difference with you guys, though, is you win those games. You know what I mean? Like, you win those close games. You always seem to be the ones that come on top, at least recently, to seem to be the ones that come on top of those, uh, whether it be like a last-second play or just that last drive to be able to finish in the fourth quarter like that. To me, and I'm sure to everyone around the GLIAC in football, that says a lot about what you guys are doing down there. Yeah, man. I mean, honestly, that's kind of what it's about. Um, I think one of the things that we do a really good job of, even as coaches and, you know, even the culture that we have is, is, uh, is finishing. So, you know, not, not, not just finishing on the football field or when we're doing some conditioning, but, you know, finishing in the classroom or, yeah. you know, just finishing the work that we got to do. So um, I think that's very representative of uh, the culture that we have at Wayne. So that's um, awesome. Yeah. You know, that's great. Yeah. So we got back up here, and I know that was one of the first things that, um, you know, our coaching staff got to us is about, you know, we're going to get you guys in study hall right away, make sure. Obviously, we're getting workouts mm -hmm. back going now, but like I was saying to you before we got on here, just talking a little bit, like our workout today, man, it's our, our second our second lifting uh, back, and I, I mean, I was out of it afterwards. Like, that knocked me out. Like, oh, I, I you know, I lift all the, all the time by myself. I speed train, all that. I do all the things, right? But until you're yeah. back with the team and you get that pace and right. that structure again, like, it's going to take a little bit to get back to that routine. Yeah, it is, man. It is, man. Like, and that's the thing about it. Like, we were so excited to get with our guys because we knew, you know, just, just like you said, it's that, you know, you could lift on your own. You could do the speed training on your own. But. There's nothing like being around your guys, your atmosphere, your, you know, your own strength trainers and, and getting back in that groove and that rhythm because it's that competition around you too, you know. 100%. It's not just, you know, you lifting or you're going at your own pace. There, there's a certain pace that you gotta, that you got to uphold and, you know, getting, getting back in the swing of things, so. Totally. That's yeah, good, man. That's awesome to hear. No, it's been great. I know, like, just looking across, it's weird because we got the little plastic dividers between the racks, but, like, I'm squatting uh, across from my quarterback oh, today. Oh. And um, we're doing some we're doing some work, and I'm like, like I'm not gonna let this dude beat me. Are you kidding me? He's putting on weight. Oh, come on, I'm gonna yeah. one up him. You know what right. I mean? Like, I'm not about to let this yeah, quarterback. Yeah, quarterback is not about to out squat me. Like that is not happening. So that just that atmosphere that's so conducive of a winning environment wherever you're at. And I think that's been the most important thing for me getting back. And I know the guys would kind of echo the same sentiment as I'm sure yours would too. Um, but let's talk about you a little bit more here. Coming out of high school, we'll, we'll go way back here. Coming out of high school, track and football guy. So I want to know how did that help your game at the college level? Track track helped my helped my career tremendously, man. Um, I was always a, a uh, track guy before I was a football before I was a football guy. It's actually funny. Okay, I played football all four years of high school, but I only started my senior year. Man, and I started getting good at track my sophomore year. Um. I was good at track my junior year, and then my senior year is when I really took off. But track helped me to be in the best shape of my life. Um, track taught me how to run. You know, track taught me how to basically how to manage my speed. So I knew how to keep my speed without slowing down, without or without getting tired. It really, it really taught me how to relax with with running. So when it came to football. I was on the field all the time. I think I think the only time I might have came off the field was for field goal or, and yeah, for, for field goal, and that was it. That's great. But other than that, I yeah, but other than that, I was able to actually be be on the field and and uh, not come off and just play the whole game. And then especially especially playing that corner, we run all day. Like I tell oh, my yeah. guys, like you have to be able to run. Like running is running is essential. Like if if you're not running, you will get beat. You will get tired. And I don't want my guys coming out the game at all. No. So being able, so being able to have that, to to have that stamina and to be able to keep up with with, with fast guys every single play, 
man. It, it, it just it really elevated my game to new heights. So that's awesome. It was good for me, man. Yeah, that's exactly. I mean, that's exactly what a coach wants too. If you got a guy, especially at the Division two level, where scholarship money sometimes runs thin, and you kind of have to worry about you know different players. And I know even here, like there are guys, and I'm sure every program that are you know looking to get bumped if they make an impact or whatever. If you're on the field all the time, like your play is going to speak for itself. Like you don't got to worry about any of that stuff, which is awesome. But um, one of my roommates was a guy who played actually soccer uh, the first three years of high school, and then all of a sudden just decided to join the football team and he's playing slot for us up here now. So it's just, everybody's got a different path, which I think is so cool, especially at this level, which is why I think, you know, you still get the great level of athletes, guys that have professional level talent, but also some guys that like may have not stumbled upon this until a little bit later. We've got a transfer from Michigan tech, but he was playing basketball over there. Dude's like six, eight, and he's just got the frame of like an NFL tight end. And you, you talk to him, you're like, what, what are you, where have you been? You know what I mean? Like, where, right. where have you right. been, dude? But um, to kind of flip that on you, looking at guys coming out of high school, how much of that do you take into account when you say, oh, this guy plays multiple sports? I know that a lot of the conversation, at least as of late, as kids become more and more specialized into, like, only playing football or only doing this or that, right. is that really kids get their body so focused on only football-centric movements. And so – for me, you know, I'm a guy who played played it all, like baseball, basketball. I power lifted. I did all this stuff, and that I think was a huge benefit for me. But what do you look yeah. at these guys coming out of high school, and how much does that play a role in your uh, in your recruiting? Not, not so much just you, but that staff at Wayne State. For us, I think it's a huge deal for us, man, just because different sports translates to different different kind of mentalities, and different sports translates to different movements that you do on the field. So, like for example, we got guys who who've been state championship wrestlers. Like some of our linebackers have been wrestlers and, and some of our D linemen have been wrestlers. So yeah, they know how to yeah, handle those That is an obvious transition. I know not to totally cut you off, <laughs> yeah. but my roommate here, right. I mean, he was uh, second in the state. I think he lost by a point in like in Illinois in the state finals. And like, you can tell, like when you, when you, you know, go up against a guy like that, it's all about the leverage oh, and things like that. But I won't cut you off. Go ahead. Yeah. Yeah, man. Um, I mean, even, even, even with basketball, you know what I mean? Like corners, you know, like we play, play kind of like point guard. You know what I mean? Like, like you have to be able to 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 to, to play with some knee band, and you got to be able to transition back and forth. You know, with our kick slides and and our uh, our breaks. So, you know, having having kids who play basketball, or you know, having kids who who can run track and 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 condition their body to do different movement translates into football each and every way. You know, so. Playing, playing multiple sports is something that I think all kids should 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 reach for and should do. That's great to hear, and I, I definitely agree with that. That's like, coach, like yeah. let me guard the best dude on the other team, like no matter who that was, oh, you know. Oh, like, yeah. and that was me oh, too. Yeah. I was no point guard. Don't get me wrong, but like that was me, and I uh, I got fouls like nobody else on that basketball court. So eventually, I kind of wore out uh, my welcome oh, there. Yeah, yeah. But, <laughs> but Man, people probably seen you like, oh no, hack him, hack him, Oh, man, oh nah, dude. Man, dude, strong. Uh, that, that was probably the smart thing because I did not shoot well at all from the free throw line. That was an embarrassment. But, you know, I found I found what I was good at and I'm sticking with it. So, shoot, man, I guess it all works out. But um, do you have any idea? I know we talked to a uh, coach from SVSU a while back about some regional opponents. But is there any word at least that you can release about uh, potential opponents for some spring scrimmages? Um, there's not actually much I really know about that. Okay. Um, I know we were, I know we were looking to potentially do something in the spring. Um, 
but I'm not sure as to what we will do moving forward. So yeah, I know a lot of it's um, still up in the air. I just, you know, I got to ask. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely, man. I mean, I mean, at this point, man, we haven't, we haven't had football in how long? Yeah, too you long. Know, so, too long. Yeah. Man, right. Exactly. So if, if we can, if we can strap up and play cats next week, I'm with it. But, <laughs> oh, yeah, you know, let's we kind of can't, so. I know it. I know <laughs> I mean, it. And it's like you get yeah, this weird, so. at least for me, and I know it's very similar for a lot of the coaches too. Like for me, I'm starting to, I don't want to say lose that identity of a football player, but you start to almost forget like it's going to be kind of an awakening when you get back out there. Like you really have not strapped on the pads and go out on the field. And I know the coaches are in that same mindset, which I don't think people, a lot of people really understand is that coaches are just as pissed as all these dudes who aren't playing. You know what I mean? Because they want to have this opportunity, and it's a business for them just as much as it is for these players and how much passion they have for the game. But I personally have just kind of lost – I don't want to say I don't feel like a football player anymore, but kind of lost that identity a little bit, and I need to get my mind back in that because maybe it's just like a testosterone release or whatever it is, but I need to go out there and hit some dudes because that's just all I've known, and I think I just need that back and that routine. Yeah, yeah, man, I feel you. I mean, even just, even just the fact that you know, like, you just want to hit some cats. Like, I just want to go out here and coach. Exactly. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, yeah. I just want to go out here, get back on the sideline. You know what I mean? I want to, I want to, I want to be able to scheme. I want to be able to, you know, play, play, play chess with these cats, man. Because I love you that. know, like, like that's the thing about it. Because for 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 the first half of the day, we're we're in the office, and then when it comes to practice and you know, things of that nature, we, we, we get outside. And since we haven't been able to be outside, you know, we're, we're just in the office all day. I'm like, come on, man. Like, yeah. I'm just trying to go outside and <laughs> something. You know what I mean? Yeah, so, I know exactly you what know. you mean. Yeah, we did a we did like a virtual recruiting visit for a lot of the guys. You know, it's been really difficult to get guys on campus. So me being into the video and things, I had, you know, coach sat me down and just asked kind of to lay out something like this. And I remember meeting with them. And, like, the whole coaching staff's in there. I'm looking around. I'm like, you guys got nothing better to do right now. And they're like, dude, we're just – you know what I mean? Like, you know, like, this is important, but, like, all y'all need to talk to me right now, I don't really know if that's – but they got – you know, they're just stuck in there. They'll take any excuse to get out and just, you know, listen to things, work on things, get out and just, you know, coach. That's all they want to do. So – I'm right with you there. I totally get what you mean. But I mentioned in your intro, you got some talented dudes in that DB room. What kind of identity are you trying to create with those guys for them to be known for? I'm assuming, like you've kind of already touched on, like give them no excuses for coming off the field. You want them to be out there at all times. But how does that kind of go? And what kind of identity are you building with those guys? Man, um, swagger, um, confidence, um, just relentless effort, uh, scrappiness. you know, man, we play, you know, the 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 way we play defense, man, we're gonna be in your face. You know, we're gonna be in your face, we're gonna press you, you know, we're gonna run with you all day. You know, we're gonna talk to you, we're gonna annoy you, we're gonna touch you, we're gonna push you. I love it. You know what I mean? So my guys, you know, so my so my so my guys gotta be ready for whatever single play, man. It's actually funny. Um, you know, one of the stories that uh, Northern, I'm not sure if they uh, told you about me up at up at up at uh, Northern when I got in, uh, when I got to an altercation with one of y'all receivers up there. Oh no, I haven't heard this. This would be good. Yeah, man, this is around. I think this is like 2013, 2014. Okay. Uh, but yeah, man. But like, I was pretty much pressed up on him all game, and he was a cat from Muskegon, and he couldn't do anything. 
I think you guys were throwing fade routes, fade routes <laughs> to him. You guys were you guys were throwing slants to him. You guys were trying to get him the ball, but you just couldn't get him the ball. And you know, we ended up getting to a scrap. I got kicked out of the game. He got kicked out of the game. Man. It was like that's just you know, like that's just the kind of environment. And that's the kind of that's the kind of brightness that you need to be able to play this position. Because like I said, we're gonna pressure. You know, you gotta be you gotta be scrappy. You know, you gotta be thick skinned, but you gotta you gotta keep a cool head. A hundred percent. You know what I mean? Yeah. No, you're you're right on track there. Like you hit that on the head. And it's it's funny for me because I'm a guy who throughout my high school and then even coming up here when we got our like two weeks of fully padded padded practice, excuse me, like yeah. I don't say anything. Like that's my thing. I, I know a lot of guys, like even my brother who's coming up to Northern actually, he just committed to come up here and play safety for us. Him and I are very different uh-huh. dudes. Like he will be in your face. He, and he's a DB. Really? So like he embodies exactly what you're talking about. Like he's going to be in yeah. your face. He's going to be talking to you, touching you, doing whatever to get in your head. But me, on the other hand, mm-hmm. I don't know. My game's a little bit different. I don't say anything. I might even like help a dude up after I try and run him over. Like it's a very different way of playing and that's always worked for me. But I think that defensive back position always seems to be the first one that embodies that swagger, embodies that confidence. And is that just, I I don't know why, why is that? Is that just like the personality that's come from guys in the past that like the NFL and college, where where does that come from? Well, I think, I think one of the things that you got you got to take into account, man, is that um, you know the D line when 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 a D line screws up, who who corrects them? The yep. linebackers, and when a linebacker screws up, who who corrects them? Safeties. But when when the DB screws up, who 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 corrects them? Yeah, that's a good point. Nobody. Yeah. You know what I mean? So you got to be confident to play back there. You got to be you got to be able to take losses back there. You got to be able to come back and bounce back. You know, you got to be able to, 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 to get the next play and just look forward to the next play or just be present in the play that you're in right now. And you just got to be able to be in a good state of mind and you got to be level-headed because you know things can get real high and they can get real low and it can happen real quick. Especially in the game of football, we yep. know how, how the game of football can be a roller coaster. Yeah. You know, 100%. Like you talk about like that that short-term memory, and a lot of coaches say that. A lot of coaches use that term because, especially at the defensive back position, you give up a big, you know, maybe it's a post on the field or someone uh, back shoulder and you get run off the field or something, and, you know, you just let up a 20, 30-yard, even a touchdown or something. you got to be back on the same dude the next play, and they might be coming right back at you because they think they got some type of advantage or mismatch on you, like – it takes definitely yeah, a certain breed of guy to go out there and do that play after play, down after down. Oh yeah, and like especially especially playing DB, a lot of it is mental. You know, like I tell even cats that I recruit, you know, I said you guys already have the physical tools that that that, that we need to win. Now you're going to transition mentally. You know, mm-hmm. like once we once we get you playing the mental game that we know you can get to play, then you're good from there because things are going to happen. But how do you bounce back? Because even sometimes, like, you can line up against a receiver and a receiver beats you on a slant. But if he beats you on that slant, do you come back confident or do you come back less confident? And if you get less confident and, you, and, and your confidence is shot, then the whole day is going to be, uh, uh, excuse my language, but a shit show. <laughs> it's all you know? good. No, you're right. You're right. That's like you set the tone. You set the tone right there, and that's at the, whether that's at the beginning of the game, the first drive, the second series, whatever it is. Like that play is going to determine a lot in how like there are guys who they'll pick up on stuff like that. Like you hang your head after you get caught in a slant, and like all of a sudden they're like, you know, 
no, we got a shot at this guy. Like this guy is the guy we need to be throwing at because he cannot handle adversity or things like that. But um, I did want to talk about your program that has gone through a little bit of adversity. What was it like for you guys to lose the run game coordinator and O-line coach, a guy that I had a pretty good relationship coming out of high school, Coach Wooster. He goes to Grand Valley last year. I know uh, you weren't on the staff with him, but he was on the staff from 09 to, I believe, 19. So, yeah, it would have been 19. Yeah. So I assume you guys have felt that loss, at least, of losing Wooster. What was that like? Yeah, I was on the, I was on the staff with him. Um, you were? Okay, good. There. Yeah, last year, and then obviously he coached me as a player when I was there from 2002. Yeah, yeah so I knew that for sure. So you definitely had a, a relationship with him at least. Yeah, so, you know, I mean, Coach Coach, uh, Coach Booster, he was an alum. Um, he was an alum here. He was a captain here for Wayne State as well, too. And, uh, you know, he grew up at Wayne State. He met his wife here at Wayne State. Um, so he has a lot of family ties here at Wayne State. So um, big culture guy for us. So, you know, obviously losing, losing, losing a culture guy is always big for us. Yeah. You know, um, but, you know, just like they say in football, man, next man up. Exactly. And it's yeah. funny how that, that line transitions over from the field to outside of those lines, right? Because it takes so many more than the 11 or I guess 22 guys in the field to make that whole oh, yeah. uh, well-oiled oh, machine yeah. or whatever, make that run. Oh. So for, oh, for you guys to like just step up and reload, you know what I mean? Like not rebuild, reload and just get back into it. I think that's the right mindset. That's awesome. Um, I did also want to ask you because staying kind of in that coaching world, we've had some younger coaches on the podcast that multiple of them have talked about being a quote, like a player's coach, you know what I mean? And that's kind of been um, a word that gets thrown around. I don't know. I think it has an interesting connotation with it because I think usually when people say player's coach, they just think of like a younger guy who maybe doesn't take his job seriously and like uh, just wants to fool around with the guys. I think it is very much the opposite of that. I think they use that as almost an advantage, right? Cause you can really like form these strong bonds and relationships with your players as well as still maintain that level of seriousness and that level of respect from your guys. So would you consider yourself a player's coach and what is that kind of like? Um, I wouldn't even necessarily consider myself a player's coach, man. Um, you know, man, I'm a, I'm a big, I'm a big fan of honesty. I'm a big fan of transparency okay. um, with my guys. You know what I mean? Like you get the real me and yep. you're going to give me the real you, you know, we're going to communicate and I'd let it be known to these guys that, you know, I'm not here to be your friend. I'm here to be your coach. And what that, what that entails is me telling you when you're doing things wrong. Yeah. What that entails is me, me getting on you when you, when you, when you're not doing the right things, what that entails is me, telling you things that you may not want to hear all the time, you know? And, you know, I think it's just that, that relationship of I trust you, you trust me, and we're going to get the thing done together because everybody has goals, right? And ultimately I am that resource for these guys to reach their goals. Yeah. And if you need help, if you need help, ask, you know, if you need whatever, ask. But the only way I can get you that help is if you ask. So I wouldn't even really consider myself a player's coach, man. I'm just, I'm just really honest with my guys, and like I said, I'm really transparent. And my whole goal is to, to get these guys to graduate first and foremost. Yep. You know, um, you know, my second goal is to make these guys better men, and my third goal is to win. You know, um, at 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 the end of the day, I think I think we all play football to win. Of course. And. You know, I, I I always tell guys, I say, you know, football is fun, but football is only fun when we win. Mm -hmm. You're totally, <laughs> you know, yeah, you're right, because 
you know, know I mean? like, everybody's like, lost that player. big game or whatever, and you that does not leave a good taste in your mouth. Like you want to get back out there immediately yeah. to just get that out of the way. Yeah, exactly. And, and 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 you know, I think I think that comes with understanding the players. Yeah. You know, like sometimes sometimes you gotta sometimes you just gotta understand that your players are gonna see things that you don't see, so they might do things that you don't understand why they do, but if it works, it works. Yeah. You know? No, so. I get that. I get that. And I like the perspective, I guess, um, from like the players coach kind of thing. And it's, that's something that I would kind of almost relate it to like guys when they call quarterbacks game managers. I'm sure you've heard that term like thrown around or thrown oh, yeah. around a lot. Yeah. So like that Ooh. term for me, like I'm usually when people say that, that implies like, oh, you know, he's just out there to kind of run the team and like echo what the coach is saying. Like game manager yeah. it should not mean that. like that should not mean like a quarterback can't make the big play or whatever. And I think that term gets thrown around a lot. Now that's that'd be kind of the comparison I make to like the players coach thing. But I love your perspective on it, the transparency level, maintaining the respect, yeah. which I think is huge. But the most important thing you said right there for me is just knowing your players. And that yeah. for me is like that is one of the largest percentages of actual coaching. Like you can do all the, the film study and the actual breakdown and the drill work and all that. But if you do not understand your players and what you need to do to help them succeed, obviously in the classroom is better men and winning games. Exactly. Like you said, then you're not going to go very far. I think, I think that's as simple as it is. Yeah. Yeah, man. I think, uh, especially in coaches, man, the uh, players have to really be able to trust you, you know, even just being, being a player myself and, you know, me, me not being too far removed, but yeah. you know, if, if the players aren't out there and that, that, that are comfortably mentally and they're not comfortably physically and they aren't comfortable in what they're doing, then they won't, won't be able to make plays, especially if they don't have the confidence that, that their coach trusts them. You know, like I tell my guys, like, listen, like you're, you're, you're out here because I trust you. Go make plays. You know what I mean? Go make plays. Yeah. If you feel like that slam's coming, jump in. Let's go. <laughs> you know what I mean? Oh, yeah. But understand, if, but if, if, if you jump that slant, you know, you're probably going to be two things, a hero or an a-hole. <laughs> and I'm going to be pissed if you're an a-hole. If you feel like you need to jump that slant, go ahead. Do you take that risk? Uh, <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah, that's Do awesome. It. No, that's awesome because, like, yeah. you know, to be out there, you know, you at least you should know that your coach trusts you to make that decision in that case scenario, whatever that may be. But you're right. Like, that's um, that makes me think of like uh, the Lions and the old special teams coordinator who runs a fake punt without consulting the head coach. And next thing you know, he's out the door because they didn't convert. And honestly, in my opinion, if that thing goes for 30 yards and they convert a first down and keep the drive going, he's probably still got a job, sure. but that's just, that's just what it is. And I guess on that, I kind of wanted to finish off before I let you go, let's transition uh, into a little bit of NFL. Cause that's what we're going to talk about after this conversation. Uh, what were your reactions from Sunday's games? What surprised you and who do you have winning it all? Um, actually what surprised me the most about the Packers game was, you know, how such big plays were given up in critical moments. From um, both you know, squads, right? Yeah. yeah. I mean, we talk about DB, you know, I don't want to, I don't want to single guys out, but you know, you oh. look, you look at Kevin King, there it is. A, you know, pretty, pretty high drastic and, you know, right at the end of the half, you know, he gets beat in cover three for, you know, for a fade that's right over his head. And he's looking back the whole time. It's just like, come on, man. Yeah, like me Scotty and my guys Miller. Like sitting, sitting in the group. Yeah. Oh, me and my man. guys are sitting, sitting, sitting in the group chat just talking about it. And, <laughs> um, you know, I'm just over here pissed because I'm like, come on, man. Like, this was right before half. Like, just, 
Let the guy catch in the front of you and just make it pass. Exactly. And then you, you see know? when Tom Brady goes and he throws three consecutive interceptions and they still pull out that game. And you're just sitting there like just in awe. And obviously I'm up here in Northern. We got a ton of Wisconsin influence. And so that means a ton of cheeseheads up here. And I'm watching the game with some buddies and they're just sitting there looking at the TV, just, just awestruck. Like they don't know what to think. Cause this was, this was Rogers year and all this. And then the press conference afterwards where since he, he's cleared that up since then, but you know, he talks about the futures that are uncertain and, Oh my gosh, he had the whole state of Wisconsin just stressing themselves out. You know what, man? I've I've actually been a Packers fan since I was four. There you um, go. So that game kinda 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 that 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 game killed my vibe for the next game. I don't know. I w I wouldn't really pay attention too much to the next game after that. Oh man. Um but what I did watch was how how Tyree Kill is just absolutely incredible, man. He is. That 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 guy is is literally on another level. Um, <laughs> he is, man. Him, him, Pat Mahomes, and that that offense and that team has it figured out. So, I think it's going to be a very interesting game on Sunday. Um, but I don't know, man. I can't as of as as of, as of right now, man. I got to go with the defending Super Bowl champs, man. Yeah, I'm gonna go with you too. And Patrick Mahomes didn't lose a step there. It didn't seem like coming off of that. Uh, minor concussion in last week's game and all the question marks up in the air. And man, we remember what Tyreek did to those Bucks last time. I'm just going to say that. And I, you know, maybe they got an answer for it. I'm going to put all my money on the fact that they don't. If I did bet, which I don't, but if I did, I'd put all the money on the fact that they did not figure out how to stop Tyreek. But coach, really appreciate you coming on. I cannot thank you enough. Really enjoyed this. Yeah, absolutely, man. Thanks for having me on, man. I definitely, I definitely love to come on here again and chop it up with you soon. Hell yeah. You know, I'm going to take you up on that, right? Oh, yeah, come on, man. Let's go. <laughs> You're the man. I appreciate no, you. It, Have a good one. No, I'm with it, man. Yeah, you too, man. I'll be seeing you later. All right, I'll see you. Great conversation with Coach Duhart. Yes, sir. Love to get the guys from uh, Wayne State. It's our, th- our first coach from there, but uh, third guy from there. We have had two players on in the past, so um, we're rounding out the GLIAC. We're much. getting pretty close. I know Ashland, we have not had anybody on from. Well, technically, uh, they're not in the GLIAC anymore. Well, they are still. not. It would be after this year, I think, right? I don't know. Well, you were the one that broke the news to me. <laughs> Did I really? Yeah. About Ashland? But yeah. I know Ashland, we haven't had anybody on. I'm trying to think we're Saginaw Valley. Oh, no, we had the coach on from Saginaw Valley. But otherwise, I mean, we're covering covering some ground here. So that's pretty good. But let's get into our reactions from the conference championships. First up, we have the AFC championship. And joining us for that is Division One Rejects insider, Drew Carpenter. Drew, what's up, Bob? Well, first off, I want to say thank you. I definitely feel like Adam Schefter with that. Uh, <laughs> I love the intro. I had to. I had to. Uh, yeah, so just check the Twitter bio next time. <laughs> All right, but let's talk Chiefs-Bills here. Chiefs win 38-24 at home. Patrick Mahomes didn't look like he missed a beat. 29 for 38, 325 yards, three touchdowns, and their offense looked like it could not be stopped the whole game. I think they were only stopped on maybe one or two drives. Like, actually yeah, they only, made the they turnover. Punted, they punted, yeah. like, twice or something like that. That is ridiculous. That's absolutely well, ridiculous. Andy Reid. Yeah. Well, I'll tell you what. The AFC Championship was played last week. Uh, whoever won that game was going to the Super Bowl. That was my that was my take. I did not think the Bills were as good of a team as everyone really thought they were. I'm not going to lie. Okay. Now, you do say that now, but it, I think it was just – you're not. You're all into this Josh Allen Baker Mayfield thing, which we'll get up. We'll get to in a second here. But that was obviously the biggest thing 
for the Bills that they did not have going for them was Josh Allen because we know that their rushing attack has not been prominent the last couple games. So it was really just going to be like the Josh Allen show and see like if he can sling the rock and get them a W. Pretty much. But that ended up not happening. He still had a decent stat line, almost 300 yards, two touchdowns, but his QBR was really bad, and he yeah, really struggled against pressure. His QBR like a, blitz. Yeah, it seemed like some garbage yards. Yeah, um, it was like kind of late in know, the game. Some Matt Stafford. You know, okay. Down 30 yards. <laughs> Too, no, soon. Too soon. Too soon. Shots. <laughs> but um, he threw the ball 48 times. So, that's like Big Ben. Yeah. That, that, you know what, Drew? Yeah, that's, I think that's a pretty ben. good comparison, actually, against yeah. the Browns, just like prevent defense type stuff. Like Exactly. That's exactly what they wanted. Yeah. So I, I would agree. I think that uh, those numbers are definitely inflated because his QBR and his, uh, his game, I don't think, reflected those stats because Patrick Mahomes had very similar stats, but he threw the ball 10 less times, and he obviously just controlled the pace of that game. But – he had a ton of help. Tyree Kill, Travis Kelsey, they combined for 290 yards on 22 catches. So he completed 29 passes, 22 or two Hill and Kelsey. It's pretty much how you figured it was going to be. Yeah, yeah that's when pretty you true. A, when you have a top five you know, wide receiver and the best tight end in football, yeah. um, you know, you could put Matt Stafford or whoever in that offense. That would be still a very successful offense. Now we've done but a full 180 on Stafford. You were just bashing yeah. him 30 seconds ago. No, no, no. I wasn't bashing him. I was bashing <laughs> the Lions and how they're always losing for him. Okay, okay. But, um, but then you put in them Patrick Mahomes and you're like, oh, wow. Yeah. No, I got you. I got you. The third guy in that uh, on that receivers list, you know who had the third most yards for the Chiefs? I want to say Nicole Hardman. And you'd be wrong. The punt. He had no. He had what a big time run. He had like a fifty yard run. Oh, that was okay. definitely a rush. I thought yeah. we were looking at all purpose. No, no, no. Just the receiving end. Byron Pringle. Three catches for 20 yards. I've never heard that name in my life until I Oh, yeah, he's, like, he's probably like a special teams guy that's super fast. So, it, so they have just a bunch of those apparently they in had, Kansas they, City. They just breed them in case. <laughs> <laughs> oh, gosh. But um, let's talk about uh, Clyde Edwards-Hilaire, who came back, and I thought his return was going to be pretty big for them because Le'Veon has not been producing to what people I think would have expected, right, for the no, Chiefs. No, not even close. Not even close, but – Hilaire was producing, for sure. He had some monster games earlier in the year, but this game, not a large impact whatsoever. Six carries, seven yards, and one catch for no yards. And I, I'm just surprised by that. I really am, and I think he's going to have to step up for them if they want to uh, win decisively. Well, when it comes to the Chiefs run game, everyone knows it's not their, yeah, it's not their premier thing you yeah. know, for them. It's not like the Browns. It's not like the Ravens where it's like, for them, they establish the run to develop a passing game. They have a passing game, and then they're like, oh, yeah, we can run the ball too. Yeah, and um, they try and get creative with it too, which is like the – that was like um, Cole Hardman. Like exactly. that was one of those plays, yeah. yeah. You're, you're seeing a lot of Patrick Mahomes screen passes and um, Tyreek Hill, uh, what's it called, jet motion, and that's really their run game. If you look at it from a, a perspective of they don't have – I mean, I don't look at Clyde Edwards-Hilaire, and I n never did when he was at LSU. I think the Lions totally got his appeal by picking Swift. I oh, thought agreed. Swift was a better back than uh, Clyde Edwards-Hilaire. I really view Clyde Edwards-Hilaire like a James White, you know. And Interesting, yeah. So when it looks – you don't have a Nick Chubb or Derrick Henry or Christian McCaffrey. So no, but not a, uh, a like a bell cow type guy. A, yeah. yeah, and you do have a Terry Kill that – They'll get they'll get some plays for you. It's where you can sprinkle in the run. But you know, Clyde Edwards-Helaire does a lot in the screen game, and I feel he like does. he's going to have to 
that's where he shines a lot, I think. Yeah, that's where he shines. And I think what would really be interesting for me is to see him, not that I necessarily want him out of Kansas City, but to see Hilaire in another system, to see if he really could be the number one back somewhere else. You know what I mean? Like with his play style. He's been on two of the greatest offensive schemes in the last. He actually has. Whatever in both of their sports. Possibly, yeah. This Mahomes team, you could argue the top five offense ever, and you could argue that that LSU team was the best offense of all time in college. That's a great yeah, point, too. Right. Like, you know, wh- whoever you put in that situation, they're most likely going to have some pretty good success. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, what did the Chiefs have to out- – outside of the run game, and I think, you know, we can probably assume that Patrick Mahomes is pretty much close back to 100% here heading yeah. to the Super Bowl. but um, And he's got oh, another, what, almost two weeks to recover. You know what I mean? Yeah. So, like, he's got enough time ahead of him. But what did I they, didn't uh, realize that Clyde Edwards-Alaire, I don't know if he'd be the first person to – well, no, he probably not wouldn't be the first person to, but like, uh, going from a national championship to a Super Bowl in back to back years. It's a good question. Maybe, yeah. I, I mean, as far as quarterback, nobody's. I don't think anybody will ever do it or has done it. I mean, I don't see Trevor Lawrence taking or whoever who won the national. I don't see Mac Jones taking. You know, whoever he's drafted by winning yeah. the national or Super Bowl next year. There's no way. Right. Yeah, I, so, that's a good yeah, question. I might have to look that up later um, and kind of see because that would be – imagine the two seasons that you're coming off of right there. Like, yeah, exactly. Oh, sure. Literally like, a national championship guys, and a Super Bowl. Guys go their whole life without getting either. Yeah, exactly. So, <laughs> before, so were you – I think you were going to go more of the what, – what I think the biggest weakness is for the Chiefs then? Yeah, of course. I wanted to hear what you thought. Their confidence. I really do. Okay. I think you look at the fact that how bad they beat up the um, – uh, you look at how bad they beat up on the Bucks the last time, right? Yeah, and Tyree, Tyree Kill, Kill had that insane game. Yep. Yeah, and then he's doing to Shannon Sharp. And what happened? <laughs> I mean, Tom Brady went over and did that little Tom Brady thing on the bench after he throws a pick or whatever. And by the end of the day, it was a three-point game with four minutes That left. was so insane. You remember watching that game? Yeah, because was weird. Because they dominated. And Tyree Kill dominated the game by himself. Yeah, You're right. He, had, like, he did the Shannon Sharp because he had the same like type of performance. And to see how close that game was at the end was kind of like not really truthful of how the game went, not well representative of that. But, like, you're right. Like, it was a three-point game. Tom Brady is Tom Brady. And I think we've seen that now after that NFC Championship game, which we'll talk about here soon. So, uh, save the tears. And you could even say, so far, they've started out kind of slow. I mean, the Chiefs, I mean, obviously I get Mahomes getting hurt, but if Rashard Higgins doesn't fumble that ball, that's a close game going in the half. Yeah. And the Bills were up 9 nothing to start the AFC Championship game. And, I mean, if you look at their last year postseason, they started slow in every game. So, I, I, eventually, I look at it. I mean, we've all played, you know, football for so many years. You can't always turn on and off the switch. And I get you have Mahomes. But That's a good point. Guy. Yeah. At, at some point, like, you're going to have to do it. I think back to that Houston game last year, right down 24 nothing, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Something. Dude. 24-3, 24-0. Yeah, tw- yeah, somewhere around there. I just That's what I think back to. But. Man, it's on. I'm excited for it. Um, we'll do one more in-depth Super Bowl preview next week because we'll have a little bit of a gap. But, um, Drew, I appreciate you, buddy. Yeah, uh, just wanted to say, Zach, I, you know, sucks to be a Packers fan. It really does right now. You know, maybe you should just pay Aaron Rodgers or not draft a quarterback in the first round. That might help. <laughs> um, or, I mean, we I mean, we fumbled the ball against the Chiefs. We we should have beat the Chiefs. We'd be playing the Bucks, and you know I could be like, "Hey, you come root for us now." Should have beat the Chiefs. I don't know. The fumble was a huge play. Uh, I don't know about should have beat the Chiefs. Oh, we should have beat the Chiefs. Backup quarterback. <laughs> oh my gosh. 
But, oh, no. Yeah, but Drew, appreciate you, buddy. Before I, leave, before I leave, Kobe, just make sure you tell Hunter that if you haven't interviewed him yet or whatever. Yeah, we, we got him better. next. We got him Baker's, next. Baker's career is better than Josh Allen oh, yeah, so we far. Did. Yeah. You can say Josh Allen is a one-year wonder right now because his last two years have been terrible. All right, well, when we come back one year later and he puts up the same, if not if better one stats. One year later from today, I'll be preparing for a Super Bowl run. I'm just saying. <laughs> Right. I'm just playing. Hey, uh, I, I remember first episode when I came on, you guys were like, oh, blah, blah, blah. I was like, hey, we're going to make the playoffs. I was right about that. Yeah, no, you were. And they had a great year. But um, they got a lot of they got a lot of work to do to get back there. And Detro- be, Detroit, improve. Cleveland, Super Bowl 56, I'm calling it. I said Jesus. Packers and Super Bowl on that. That didn't happen. <laughs> you were a game away. I was a game you away. You were a game away. Know what I am going to get right, though? I'm going to get Rodgers MVP right. That's for Yeah, sure. I don't think you can mess that one. Yeah, I don't think you could get that wrong. <laughs> so, I'm pretty sure that's – I, that's I called that that's a lot. in the preseason. Yeah. Well, the quote-unquote – I'm sure, sure Tom Brady will take a Super Bowl and say, Rodgers have your MVP, how Michael Jordan said, Carl Malone have your MVP, I'll take the ring. That's funny. Yeah, no, I, no. I get that. I get that, but um, I guess we'll see. Drew, thanks for coming on, buddy. We'll talk to Hunter now. All right. See if you can top that conversation. I'll see you. (laughs) Uh, Yeah. Beat the Chiefs. I think that might have been. No, that's definitely not beating the Chiefs. That might have been a little bit of a stretch. I do think when you look at that (laughs) game. Yeah, okay. I'm trying to to be nice here. But, yeah, I think. No, the fumble was huge. It was huge. I agree. But I don't think that was game changing. You know what I mean? Like, not game changing yet was game changing. But when you take that out and they had a backup quarterback in and you still couldn't beat them. Yeah. For me, that is what kind of said, like, who, they didn't deserve. Who launched, like, an absolute punt of an interception. Yeah, he did. He like, did. Absolutely. What's Connor. Oh, there he is. What's going on, Bob? Oh, we chilling. Joining us now, Division One Rejects Analyst, right? D1 Rejects Analyst? I, I believe so. I believe so. I believe so. Insider. Hunter Chambers is with us now to talk a little bit about the NFC Championship. Hunter, I'm here with Zach. He just got ridiculed by Drew um, about the Packers loss. Oh, I don't loss, even so. want to hear about Baker and Allen, man. <laughs> that was the one thing. That was the one thing you left us with is to ask you about that. But before before we get into that, let's talk about this uh, NFC Championship: the Packers, the Bucks. The Bucks pull off the upset on the road and win thirty-one to twenty-six at Lambeau to become the first team in NFL history to host and play in a Super Bowl. It feels like everything has come together. You know what I mean? I hate it. Yeah. I hate it too because I it feels like it feels like it. it was almost meant to happen. That's why I hate it. I just don't know. I just don't. Uh... And I think it's I funny mean, too. Much, oh, go ahead. Go ahead. As much as you guys are saying that, I mean, a lot of people came into this game thinking this this was Green Bay's game to lose. Yeah. And I would say they shot themselves in the foot and they lost that game. Nobody was thinking the Bucks even had a chance in this Agreed. game. Agreed. I thought. I'm totally with you there. I really, especially, dude, Tom Brady throws three interceptions, and then Jameis is on the sideline somewhere thinking that he stole my thunder with three interceptions and three touchdowns. Three for three, 30 for 30. Come on, man. (laughs) I don't know how in the, and people are still like, Tom Brady's the GOAT. He just had a a subpar to (laughs) low play at best, got completely outplayed by Aaron Rodgers, but yet still wins. Yeah, it okay. just aggravates me. <laughs> Once again, we can all say Tom Brady this. You know how I feel about Tom Brady. I was not his biggest – I'm not his biggest fan. Neither am I. But he is – He's a winner. Probably if he wins the Super Bowl, 
and it's even undisputed. I think just making it, it to is. it, I think he's undisputed. Agreed. And that's what hurts so much. It does. It just hurts. You know what hurts for me too is like at the beginning of the year where you have all of these quote unquote experts, like the talking yeah. heads on TV and stuff, and they're like, oh, like Tom Brady. Remember we were talking about it? Like, is it going to be Tampa Bay or the field? Or like Tampa Bay and the Chiefs or the field? You know what I mean? Yeah. So like yep. the fact that all of these people who just you know, oh, Tom Brady's there. I'm picking them for the Super Bowl. The fact that they're all right now, that makes me I know, I don't know. I'm just you know like, I, mean? why? I know. And especially with how they're playing so early in the season. Right? And then that game, oh, dude, I just, uh, there are so many games they dropped. You know what I mean? That they should not yeah. have dropped. If you're a team that's playing at that caliber, but we've said it time and time again, like in the NFL, the playoffs, it's all about just getting hot at the right time. And they're a wild card. And that's, that's all that they've done. They've been hot at the right time and they've just found ways to win. Like you were saying, Kobe, like if you would have asked anybody, I think if you asked anybody in the beginning of the year who would have had more success, Belichick or Tom, yeah, everybody would have said Belichick. And yeah. now we're here at the end of the season. It's almost February. It's almost Super Bowl time. And Tom's in there again. Unreal. Especially after that signing of Cam Newton where the internet was just on fire Absolutely. and Cam was listening to gospel music when he was listening, like when he was working out. Excuse <laughs> yeah. me, oh, that's but scary. That's scary type. That was, scary that type. was dude, that was like insane. So everyone was freaking out. Okay, our Cam's coming different this year. Cam, and yeah, Cam yeah, coming different. He performed, but he performed like a guy who Man. hasn't played and who has been hurt. That's how he performed. Yeah, and that's I he wouldn't was. say you go that far. Yeah. So to I, say he performed. Obviously, Tom Brady has outshined the uh, the Belichick, right? Guys, oh, for someone sure. put it really well the other day before I let you go there, Hunter. I think it might have been like Ryan Clark or something. But someone said that guys weren't coming to New England to play for Bill Belichick. They were coming to play with Tom Brady. And I thought they put that really well, and they probably hit it right on the head. Yeah. So going back to the actual NFC game, okay, we got to talk about that Matt Lafleur call on fourth down. Oh, the field goal. Says, yeah, everybody says it's one play, and there's so many plays throughout the whole game, but that one play kind of determined their season. And I just want to know what you guys are thinking about that, and what's your take on Matt Lafleur? Some people are saying he's on the hot seat, but how can he be on the hot seat? When you've had two NFC championships, you've been to the NFC championship back-to-back years in your first two seasons. So I'll, I'll take over for this because I, I have a ton of emotions backing this right strong now. Strong opinions. Just very strong. So anyways, so let's go let's go back to the root of it anyways. The root. The root. <laughs> and, uh, you know, LaFleur, uh, I, I want to say he's has the best record as a head coach in his first few seasons really he was 13 and 3 both of this season yes wow so he's got to be damn near close and like he's i'm pretty sure he's tied or might have a game uh, over someone yeah um to put him there to put him there and so definitely not a hot seat is what you're saying no i I agree there's no way hot seat but the fact that but what he is on the hot seat about right now is the fact that coward (laughs) <laughs> Let's yeah, exactly. Having He's, no gut. I will agree with that, and I will ride that. And I will ride that till the day I die. But the thing that is going to lose him, his job, is not going to be this season and his record or any of that kind of stuff. It's going to be the fact that dating back to this draft, you draft a quarterback. So is that him, or is that a, a decision above him? I think it's both. You think it's all. I think it's both. Because that's that's the only thing that I would say. He had if, to have had yeah. a say in it. He had I agree. To have had As a the head coach, it. I feel like you have to. I don't know how all these teams operate. They all operate differently. But so yeah. But the one thing, 
so either way, from an organization standpoint or whatever. So you basically already put a thought in the Aaron Rodgers head, like, okay, they must not really trust me at this point. And your guy that is the undisputed MVP by the end of the season. Yep. You got you have to put eight points up on the board with however much time left. One possession game. And yeah. you're gonna tell me that you're not gonna trust him. That's a, yeah. I think you hit that's to perfect even, to even try. Yeah, I think it's to a lack of trust, right? Try and he and you know that sent a clear message to him, mm-hmm. and I do not blame him for his post game press conference, yeah. which I, he has cleared all. up since then, which he said he's most likely returning to Green Bay. Whatever. Yeah. He's just, you know, there's a lot of emotions Today, post-game. He said that on Pat McAfee, I believe. He did say that on the Pat McAfee show. I was watching it live. Yeah, Pat Mac- him, him and Pat are close buds. They but, are. Yeah, you know, uh, <laughs> I don't know. It's just I I was extremely shocked by it, and I was frustrated. Rightfully I, so. I was extremely yeah. – with how really the whole, you know, game went down. And I'm going to be honest, like, the fact that – I'm not, I'm not going to sit here and say that, like, we didn't have our opportunities because, you know, yeah, the, our, our defense, um, you know, Jair Alexander came up with two picks alone. Yeah. And we didn't talk about uh, uh, Hill, right? What's his first name? Uh, who blew if a couple bad ones. Scotty Miller. Him, yeah. No, it's not Scotty Miller. No, Scotty Miller is the one King. who. Oh, Scotty Miller is the one who, Yeah, yes. King, not Hill. My bad. King uh, had a rough, rough game. That's what it was. I don't, for some reason, and Hill was in my head. If they draft someone other than A. I don't even need. I don't even think they need a receiver. I, I say the receiving core is actually pretty good right now. What I would love to see is a corner or a linebacker. Yeah. If you do not draft either of one of those two positions in this draft, I'm seriously considering. Um, I, I was about to say boycotting the team, but yeah, I'm I'm never gonna do that. But. So Hunter, when he came out, I will say first before we kind of move on to this next piece. Um, you know, to set the scene for the people who missed, maybe didn't see that part of the game, which I don't know, I find it hard to believe, but Green Bay, like you said, eight-yard line, down by eight. They had two minutes left in the fourth quarter, and they never ended up getting another shot, basically. So that was, like, such a terrible way to and finish that game that left a, all the fans and players um, question, terrible. Questioning Yeah, the thing. questioning and with a questioning. terrible taste in their mouth. And that's, that's not how you want to finish the season like that. But uh, Aaron Rodgers goes into that press conference, and, you know, the thing about the NFL season and football seasons for everyone is that when you get into that postseason, that season ends so abruptly, right? And the Packers yeah. did not think they were going to be done there, right? They thought like two more weeks of football at best, right? So when that season ends so abruptly, there's so many emotions. Then he goes into that postgame press conference and he says, you know, my future is uncertain, you know, and whatever words, That's I guess right here, he says, he says, quote, there are a lot of guys' futures that are uncertain, myself included. What was the reaction to that from you? Well, for me, I was like, yeah, get, get them the heck out of Green Bay. <laughs> yes, let's go. But anyway. The I NFC mean, North he, is ours with MCDC. He, yeah, he's just talking. He's just talking. Like you said, high on emotion. He was just yep. upset with the call, upset with his coach not giving him an opportunity to go out there and actually prove it. I agree. Like you said in the press conference, he thought he had four downs to play with. But yeah. his coach didn't think it. And I don't know what coach was thinking with given the greatest of all time, two minutes to run out the clock. Yeah, nothing good. going to work out for you. But uncertain, I don't think so. I think he has three more years in Green Bay, probably retire a Packer, maybe do the Tom Brady gig where he goes and shows that he can win somewhere else. But I, I, Yeah, I, I can see that. But, but then again, Rogers at the same time, he doesn't, yeah, Packer, agreed. 
he doesn't have anything else to like to prove compared to Brady though, like the Belichick thing. Like he doesn't have that. You know what I mean? He's going well, yeah, through because the, the he's head gone through change. multiple. Yeah, McCarthy and Lafleur. Yep, exactly. So I think he doesn't have that much, you know, there to prove as someone like everybody. Um, everybody does. knows that the Green Bay Packers are is because they're good is because of Aaron Rodgers. Yeah, exactly. Like, I feel like that's undisputed. Yeah, Tom Brady always had Gronk. Like Tom Brady had to go prove it, but I think Aaron Rodgers has absolutely nothing to prove that. He's a first ballot Hall of Famer just because of the way he plays. Agreed. And he is, and he continues like said, to play. an MVP candidate. Yeah, every for sure. Season. That's unreal. Yeah, and so I wanted to say too that when I was on the, when he was on the Pat McAfee show today, he talked about that whole like oh retiring a Packer that type of conversation. Yeah. And he said basically like that's a dream for everyone. Like you want to be able to stick with one program, one franchise for the length of your career. Kobe Bryant was one of the examples that he used. Like a Derek Jeter was another one that he used. Two great examples in different, you know, obviously sporting worlds there. But, you know, if that really is his dream, then I don't see him jeopardizing that and heading out of town, you know, anytime soon, especially with this contract, the way that it is and the team. I don't think he will either. And I, yeah, but when I was saying, I don't blame him for saying what he said. Yeah, of course. It's just kind of like, it's all about the emotion thing. Yeah, it's it's emotions, but it's also like, I think, now, especially after that, Green Bay knows how he feels and is like, yeah, we can't yeah. lose this now, guy. If they don't afford. respect that now, then yeah. you might really cut, like burn some bridges, basically. Yeah, exactly. And so. if that happens, I mean, I'm always going to be a Packer fan. I'm not a Packer fan because of Aaron Rodgers. It's well, just, that makes it a lot better. Exactly. So, I'm well... But I still know that the success of my team is solely in the hands of that dude. So. <laughs> the mustache, long hair, having yes, so California. I don't want to see him go. Obviously, yeah. But. but Hunter, I guess we'll leave you here on this last thing. Drew um, gave me just a quick. We didn't elaborate on it too much, and you guys were going crazy the other day in our little group <laughs> chat about Baker and Josh Allen. But um, give me one reason right now, and I'm with you. I agree that Josh Allen, as of now is playing better than Baker Mayfield. You know, who's the better quarterback? That'll be determined in years to come. As of now, Josh (laughs) Allen has only gotten better. Agreed. Baker Mayfield had a decent rookie season, an awful sophomore campaign. Sophomore slump, yep. And and had a decent, and then they made the playoffs and everybody puts it on Baker. Yeah. They had one of the best offensive lines. They had one of the best two running backs in the league. Yeah, they have true. the best offensive line in the league. If you have the oh, best offensive boy. line in the league, I hope your quarterback has a decent season. <laughs> yeah. Agreed. I think when you put uh, Josh Allen, you talk about him and his ability to just sling the ball and the pure arm talent and the support that Baker he had, obviously, pure talent. agreed. And so when you talk about the, the support that he had, there was almost nothing from that backfield. And the offensive line had their moments this year, I thought. They had showed up in a couple games, but they also were a little bit inconsistent. Now, when teams come in and the scouting plan solely revolves around Josh Allen and he can still perform to the high level that he yeah. does, that, for me, is what separates them. Yeah, because exactly. there's there's other things for teams to worry about when they play Cleveland. Just wait, just wait until the Bills find a back and build an offensive line. They're, they are the next team. There you go. You've heard it here first. Yeah. Is that going to be your third behind the uh, Lions and Titans then that you're pulling for? No, you already know my third is wherever Stafford goes, baby. That's fair. And I, I, I'm thinking either Indianapolis or the 49ers. It seems to be the pretty One common the consensus. Two. Yeah, yeah. those those two I think are the two closest because the 49ers want to get rid of Jimmy G and yep. the Colts. Man, and they, I think, they, they, yeah. they, they're a quarterback away. They are, dude. They're a contender right now, which I think is why it'll be a great fit. But we're going to do a little bit more of a deep dive on that next week with our Super Bowl preview. We'll kind of branch off of that. But, Hunter, appreciate you joining us here. 
Always a pleasure. Insider, always welcome. <laughs> of course, People buddy. Champion, I'm always <laughs> here. <laughs> see you, buddy. All right, I'll see you. Oh, man. Some, some energy. From, some energy from those some guys. Energy. Let's go to uh, the next part of our, our NFL topic here. Phillip Rivers, who has announced his retirement after 17 seasons in the NFL. Man, slightly more seasons played than he has kids. Yeah. <laughs> We're going right into it. We're yeah, going we're right. Just, we're just it. gonna go right into ripping them. <laughs> Twitter and all the social media were just full of you know the awesome messages that come thanking Philip Rivers for what he's done, and then um, the memes, and then the memes followed very yeah. shortly. Like there was a very little buffer. Yeah. You know, everyone got the wholesomeness out of the way. Um, Will Compton had a great one. He was said something about the the time that, um, like you know, this is finally a time that Philip Rivers can pull out. Wow. And I'm like, wow, like that is just. Damn, that's just something else, man. You know what? Maybe he meant to have nine kids. Yeah, right. Maybe I feel like that was to. his plan. I feel like you have to. There's okay. no like oh, after oops. like oops. Yeah, after like the fifth, you're probably like mm, you're all in. I should maybe try and stop, or you're like, you know what? So I will say Screw this: Screw it. Let's just keep going. You find a girl, girl, your dreams, right? Sure. She, you ask, you know, you get pretty serious. You're like two and a half years in now. Okay. You know, I don't know how old you are in this. Situation. You know, made up say, case scenario. We'll say 25. Me. 25. Wow. Okay. Uh, we'll say Maybe like 22. 22, 23. 20. Oh. Because okay, is it pre kids or anything? Like 28, you're probably okay, thinking okay. about like kids and stuff already. Yeah, exactly. It's like 22, 23, right? Okay. Out of, just getting out of college, maybe, right? All right. And, you know, you ask her, you're like, just kind of off to the side, like, how many kids would you like to have? It's like ideal family. Okay. And she comes back, nine. Um, you break up with her right there. I'm probably breaking into a sweat and then like rethinking my life choices and then panicking I've been, I've and probably running away. I've just been thinking about that because they both had to be so on board with that. You know, I think by the, by the time you get to four, you're probably just like questioning, like, what are we doing right now? Yeah. Something. But then again, like the more you have, I'm assuming like the less work the less additional work it is like the first one's obviously huge the second one and then it starts to get less and less additional work for each kid <laughs> i don't know man you've done, we've done it you've know. done it so many times i mean yeah, we've done parents. it so many times thankfully we're not parents when you have to keep track of <laughs> nine instead of even and four you're playing in the nfl dude it's not like this guy is just like dude, a stay-at-home yeah, dad this dude is out his wife yeah. has got to be Dude. Completely drained of her blood. Just like swamped. Just, she's probably gray in the face. Oh my gosh. Like literally just completely drained uh, of all life. It does sound like There's he'll no be able way. to spend more time with his family. Um, great looking family, by the way. I don't want to take anything away from them. But uh, Rivers has already agreed to be the head coach at St. Michael Catholic High School in Fairhope, Alabama. So, And that was like last year thing too. So That's going to um, be interesting. Imagine the difference in stress coaching a high school game rather than getting rushed by dudes made in labs coming off the edge. That's what I put there because I just think that's I mean, like, is. for most people, high school game. Yeah. Like you get intense, like for Phil, I'm going to, he's probably going to be like, Oh, like here we go. Like, you know what I mean? Probably like, peewee. Yeah. Like that. It has to be dude playing against those guys. Even going college. To, yeah. I would agree. <laughs> I would totally agree. Um, but I don't know. I think it'll be interesting. I think he's going to probably enjoy his time off, but especially like, Losing the way that he lost, you know what I mean? Yeah. You don't want to have, at least I would assume, not in his shoes. Yeah. Nor will I ever be. But I don't. I would assume you don't want to have this huge stretch of downtime, so you can just sit and think about, oh, if this would have happened, then you know, and just sit and you no, know think you about gotta, that. You got to go and get going at whatever you're gonna do. Yeah. Like totally go and invest yourself in your family and your new job and life and all this, all these things, right? For sure. I would. I would assume so. But, um, 
you know, not much of a break for him. The high school athletic director came out and said that after speaking to him, that the expectation was for him to be on campus April 1st. I'd imagine that's going to be exactly what he wants. You know what I mean? Like I said, you don't want that huge break. So I think that'll be, he'll get his, a little bit of time off to just let yeah. the let the mind and body relax, which his body really isn't going to be going through too much now, but the mind more so. Yeah, de- um, definitely emotionally. Yeah, yeah, that too. Emotions is a really good thing. I didn't even think about that. Yeah. So um, I think that'll be awesome for him. And I think, you know, imagine the amount of coverage that high school is about to get to. Oh, for sure. Local news and all that. Oh, yeah. So also another point that I wanted to say was. This is the uh, question. Before, no, before we go into the Hall of Fame talk. Here, okay. But I, I wanted to say, imagine being that awkward situation of being the current coach at that high school. Like last year when they told them like, hey, Phil Rivers is going to come coach here. We don't know when, whenever he retires. You can have the job until then. <laughs> I feel like, <laughs> yeah, I'm just gonna. You just gotta start finding another. You gotta start applying. Apparently, enter the transfer portal. Yeah, <laughs> enter the transfer portal. You just start talking around town. Right, you're gonna need some help. Like, homie's gotta have a job line. I hope so, at least, because yeah. he's just getting kicked right out of town. Oh, pretty much. That's. I thought that was hilarious. Just thinking about that, like, hey, we don't know if uh, Rivers is gonna retire this year or next year. But you're gone when he does. But when he does, you're yeah, you're in the boot. So you're outie. I apologize. Yeah. Yeah, we know yeah. your son's like a you know coming up in the high school, and your family's been here for years. It's just, it's Philip Rivers. <laughs> it's Philip Rivers. Can it's you Philip Rivers. Us? Yeah, they probably can't get your get your kid to transfer. What do you say? Else. What do you say? And then shoot, you don't. There's no re- rebuttal. You can't. You yeah. can't be like, oh, I've I've been. He's dude spent 17 years in the league. Can you beat that? And you'd be like, all right, I'm leaving. Oh yeah, exactly. 17 years in the league. The question is, is Philip Rivers a Hall of Fame quarterback? Before we kind of go into it. Um, let's see where his stats stats line up. Um, you know, as far as ranking amongst mm-hmm. all NFL quarterbacks, four hundred and twenty-one passing yards. That ranks fifth all time. So that's a big number for him. That's like the number one number that I, I found on him. He finished with sixty-three thousand four hundred and forty passing yards, which is also fifth all time. And he had twelve four thousand yard passing seasons out of his seventeen. So some very solid numbers there for me, I think. And so I would say that Phillip Rivers is a Hall of Fame quarterback. Do I think he is a first ballot Hall of Fame quarterback? No. I don't think he's a first ballot guy because of the lack of wins, right? Especially in the postseason, right? And I don't think anyone is going to be a first ballot guy like that if you don't have that type of thing. Unless, um, I guess you could say like Calvin Johnson has like that type of, but... But I feel like for quarterback, it's always going to be Quarterback, yeah. So wide receiver to quarterback. Like quarterback obviously has a much larger impact on whether or not you win the game. Record. Right? Yeah. So Record's I think it's always going to be the thing. Yeah, with a wide receiver, that's not as much of a, a piece no, of content. No, it's just going right? to be talent and yeah. what you did. So in Megatron's case, he'll be fine. Um, yeah, I, but, I I think he'll probably be in this. Uh, this yeah, year. agreed. But um, what do you think about this? Uh, and this is this conversation could be happening like years yeah. down the road, but may as well have it now. I'm going to go with no. Okay. I'm going to go with no. Dude played for 17 years and... Got to win something? Yeah, I mean, you got to win something because, I mean, like, I don't know. Like, I'm not even necessarily saying, like, it, it, Trent Dilfer, Joe Flacco, none of those guys are going to be I in think the Hall Joe of Flacco and uh, Phillip Rivers, I think, are going to be in a very similar situation. I you think, think so? so? I, I think so. But Joe Flacco, didn't he had way more playoff success than Rivers did, though. And he won our Super Bowl. Yeah, exactly. So... I, I yeah. don't know. So I feel I guess, like the only yeah. quarterback that's going to get away with not winning a Super Bowl and making it in the Hall of Fame is Dan Marino. Oh, you think and, so? But he appeared in one. Phillip Rivers never even appeared in the Super Bowl. That's true. 
That's a great point. Now, I think um, for me, the difference between a guy like Flacco and Rivers is that Flacco, towards the later years of his career, had not way a, less production. In the, in, way less. And then it was just like the kind of connotation that his name carried around and people didn't talk of him as highly regarded and yeah. Philip Rivers played, you know, he was not, he was always means, the starter. Yeah, is the thing. exactly. And also like this year going from the Chargers where that he's known forever, you know what I mean? Yeah. Going from there to the Colts and still leveling up, you know, his play and being able to elevate and yeah. make the guys around him better. I think that's what kind of separates those two. Now the postseason success speaks for itself, but I yeah. thought that was pretty impressive from him. Now he, by all means, is not like a, a an elite looking quarterback when you see him throw and things like that. He's oh, yeah. very kind of unorthodox, right? Pretty much. How would you describe like his throwing motion, like a shot put? It's like a short arm. It's like kind of. I don't know. I feel like it. if I, I tried to do his throwing motion, yeah. I would probably only be able to throw like thirty yards <laughs> less than I can right now. You'd think so, man. I guess it's just like when you do it for that long. It, uh, that I'm just becomes sure, the sure only way of doing it. Exactly, and there's no one way to throw the football, and I think yeah, that's, that's shown. True. And there's one way that a common way that a lot of people teach, but yeah, yeah. But beyond that, mm-hmm. that's game he stuff. He's a gamer. Him. He's a tough some gun. He, that's all. There's some gun. He's a tough some gun. He was a gamer, dude. I think that's another thing that kind of goes unchecked too is the toughness level that this guy had. Oh yeah, he's a tough guy. I want to. I want to say he was on the bigger side too for quarterbacks, like frame wise. I yeah, feel like he was solid. Yeah, I feel like he had a pretty big frame that he filled his, out the earlier years of his career. Yeah. He was a big he used dude. that. Yeah, he used that. So yeah. I don't know, obviously, in the later years of his career, he did not. But before we get into a little bit of college football talk, oh wait, I, I will say here um, a couple more stats before we want to do that. I kind of missed these right here. Um, his teams five and seven in the playoffs, including this this year's loss to Buffalo. So mm-hmm. that was the big blemish on his record. Um, but here, this goes on that toughness thing, right? The toughness thing, two hundred and forty consecutive starts. That streak is second only to Brett Favre. So you can definitely have some respect for that. I yeah. think that's unreal. Two hundred and forty. Yeah, exactly. Two hundred and forty consecutive starts. And that's not like no injuries because you know he's playing through something. Exactly. Two hundred and forty games in the NFL. Yeah, that's unreal. So. I did want to say that, and that's one of the things that I hope that they kind of take into consideration outside of the record yeah. and the stats and things like that. And, I mean, it helped Favre, too, but, you know, yeah. Favre also. Favre had a little bit more MVPs, success. Yeah. Super Bowl ring. Yeah. He had a, let's just say it a little more success. Just slightly. Just slight. But before we get into the, some college football talk and talking about some NCAA recruiting violations, let's go talk with the linebacker out of Siena Heights, Nick Stallworth. Super excited for this conversation. Joining us now on today's episode is a senior linebacker at Siena Heights University in Adrian, Michigan, a guy who led his team in tackles last year with 71 in 10 games and made the all-MFSA second team. It's Nick Stallworth. What's going on, Nick? How are you, bub? Hey, how you doing? Fantastic, man. Excited to really get you on here. I think we're starting to uh, really expand the NAIA player base, and I could not be more happy about it. Uh, Thanks for having me on. Of course, of course. You guys are you're playing football in a month. I think for me, that's so crazy to think about because we have nothing guaranteed. But what is what is that like for you to think about? Man, it's um, it's one of those things where um, I take it one day at a time. The same thing with our team. I know our coach just tells us and mentions to us all the time, take it one day at a time. But even though we play on February 27th, it's, it's hard to think about because, I mean, like, we all play football. We normally go into camp August, and then our season is from September to when, like, whenever it gets done. So, like, playing in the, uh, in the winter and in the cold is going to be different. But 
I'm excited to get started. That's true. And it's like, it's funny too, because you say like the cold in the winter, even though it's technically like, I guess like a spring season, especially up here in Marquette. Yeah. Like if we get, thankfully we have the dome. So that's nice. Um, I don't know how much you know about that, yeah, but yeah, there you go. There you go. But um, for guys like Michigan Tech, like imagine playing in the quote unquote spring and like trying to play up there. They got to shovel the field like during halftime and before games and all that crap. Man, I couldn't even imagine that. That's, that's wild. You couldn't do that? You, you don't think you could uh, handle the snow up here or what? Man, I, I think I could deal with it, but after a while, I'll be like, eh. <laughs> <laughs> I'll be like, eh. <laughs> kind of annoyed. Yeah, we'll see, man. I think this is our first like real winter up here, so I guess we'll see. I've been enjoying it so far, but um, let's talk about the start of your season. You guys start at Concordia. They finished 12th in the NAIA coaches poll last year. You guys are right behind them at 20, so both you guys really yeah. finished strong last year. What do you expect from your guys heading into that game between these two solid squads? I mean, it's going to be a hard-fought game, no doubt about it. I mean, they're cross-town rivals, so you know the energy is going to be high. But it's going to be a good game. It's going to be a hard-fought game. And uh, I know my guys, my team, we're, we're excited to get ready and get the pass popping. There you go. I love the sound of that. Now, talk about, you said, like the you know hard-fought game, kind of rivalry type. What kind of, uh, just because yeah. I'm not very familiar, what's like rivalry rise? Is, is that like your number one for you guys? Or who is it um, that you kind of mark on the schedule every year? Well, the, primarily the three teams. We have three. We mark on the schedule. Concordia being number one. Okay. St. Francis in two and Marion three. I mean, solid really teams. So, yeah, they're, they're all solid teams. Yeah. I mean, like, I know for I know for Marion, we haven't beat them in, in like, program history. So, I know we're really? turning for that win. Yeah. If we haven't beat them ever. And I, I know I last know year we can yeah, that's awesome, dude. That's three solid teams, all of which have been, you know, nationally ranked. I didn't mm-hmm. – Marion's in uh, Indiana, correct? Yes, sir. Yeah, not a program win against – okay. Well, you got something to look forward to then, I think. So the program yeah. at Siena has been around since, like, 2010, but you guys uh, really has come off of as late. But uh, what's it been like being a big part of that program and watching it grow? I mean, it's been a blessing just to um, sit back and just to watch, like, like how I came, like when I came in and where we were at to now, I mean, it's really been amazing to watch. I mean, coming in my freshman year, I mean, we were 500, we were five and five. And I know in years past, I know they won a conference championship and then they just kind of been middle of the road when I came in. And now we're competing at the top of our conference and now like we're nationally ranked. So like to see it grow like that, in like so little in such little time like it's been amazing to watch that's awesome man and i actually didn't mention i was going to at the beginning but um you're a clarkston guy correct clarkston grad yes sir nice <laughs> nice well i i'm from lake orion i don't know if you knew that or not but dude like we finally oh, we finally got a, a win over you guys i mean I, you guys I, i'd use that term usually but um i think it was like yeah, clarkston so- beat lake orion like dude i wanted to say like how many years in a row? I don't even know. Over five years in a row. So yeah. my senior year, we finally took one back. But, oh, dude, that, that talk about a rivalry. That one was so much fun to play in in high school. Man, I swear to God, it was. I mean, <laughs> the atmosphere was, like, wild. Like, yeah. Bad. It was crazy. <laughs> yeah, and it's awesome because they've come together and they now do 
um, you know, fight for a cure or football for a cure, I believe they call it, where a lot of the proceeds go towards different types of uh, cancer foundations and local families that are in need of it. So like take whatever it was before and then just magnify mm-hmm. that by two. And now it's all, all that energy and all that support's going to a great cause, but I don't want to get too, t- too off track, but I just thought, um, that was something I definitely want to talk about, but you know, back to you, you're a guy that definitely has aspirations to play at the next level, I'd assume. Yes, sir, for sure. That's awesome. Great to hear. Now, what are you doing right now to put yourself in the best position possible to get a team to take a chance on you? Because, you know, I use that term to take a chance on you because obviously you think you're an NFL guy, and I know a lot of your teammates probably vouch for you too, but from an NFL maybe executive or a college scouting director like NAIA, you know, that's really what it kind of comes down to is like taking a chance. So what are you doing right now to put yourself in that situation? So I'm taking it day by day, and what I do is because I know me personally, I'm not a six three linebacker. I'm I'm the more Saquon Alexander, the Eric Kendrick type linebacker. I like so, that. Oh that me being my size, my technique has to be perfect at all times. And not only that, but the mental part of the game. Because if you know your opponent, I mean that's half the battle one right there. So I take pride in knowing my opponent for sure. And I feel like me personally I'm a chess piece, so I can stay in on nickel packages. I can run from sideline to sideline, and, like, I know a defense inside and out. So, I mean, if an NFL executive is looking for a guy like that, I feel like I'm the best fit for that. And But like you said, they're taking chances, like you said, NAIA guy. But I feel like I check all the boxes as to what they're looking for, you know, though. That's awesome, bro. Yeah, and, and if you, like, I think a lot of what kind of gets lost sometimes is, like, if you don't believe that, then how would you expect anybody else to? You know what I mean? So, like, some guys might have those doubts right. or whatever. You, you just got to put those away and, like, just be confident about it. Um, So I think that's awesome. I love how you talk about, like, you're an all-down guy. You, you check all the boxes. I think that translates over to the running back position very well as well. Like, you see mm-hmm. guys who are maybe one or two down backs, so like some smaller, quicker guys who are a third down back. There's very right. rarely – when you get a guy that's all talented at all of the different areas that can go in there and be a three or four down back. So I think for you to do that, and like, like you said, you know, put yourself in the best position for somebody to pick you up. Now, um, looking at the NAIA, I was trying to do a little bit of research, but have there been any local like NAIA guys drafted or like signed, uh, you know, undrafted free agents in recent years out of the WAC or any of the other local NAIA conferences that we might know of? Yeah, so um, there's a few guys. I know a couple of my teammates, uh, Darius Price. He actually got a um, he got a trial with Tampa Bay. There you go. Like, a few years, and then my my other teammate from last year, he actually went down to Fort Worth, found to the College Gridiron Showcase. Okay. And he was in the uh, free agent combine as well, and I think he just got back. And there's two other guys, but a running back from Concordia. He um, and then Joe Connor. Uh, he played last uh, two years ago and I know he was on the practice squad for the Lions Kansas City and Sweet. then a tight end Marion I think he's actually on the active roster for the Minnesota Vikings there right you now, go. I think there you go, dude. I'm, I'm glad that you had like that that whole I don't want to say list but like that all those guys ready to go because I that's awesome to hear and I think for kids that are coming out of high school right now that are thinking whether or not NAI is the right move for them like just show them that right I mean like if they don't take it seriously oh, yeah. then like that's their problem Oh, yeah. And I think that's the biggest misconception a lot of guys have coming out of high school. Like, we play NFL talent each and every week, right? And I know a lot of guys coming out of high school, they want to go D1, D2, D3, and then kind of look overlook the NAI. But it's a lot of 
like NFL talent in the NAI. Yeah, like, it's it's real. Like, yeah, <laughs> that's, that's a good put it. So with, with that being said, I mean, coming out of high school and especially Clarkson, a huge powerhouse, did you have like, um, like initially heading into NAIA, just any doubts about like, you know, like what you were doing, if you were making the right decision or anything like that? Well, the crazy story is um, that piano was my only scholarship offer coming out of high school. I had preferred walk-offs to Toledo and Central. Okay. But I remember um, – playing down at the Blue Gray All-American Bowl down in uh, down Texas, and I'm playing with all the top talent, like guys from Alabama, Texas, guys from Ohio State, like all this talent, and I came back, and I still had no offers, and I just remember saying to myself, like, is this really how it's going to end? And then a few days later, uh, Coach Cole called me and offered me right on the spot, and I was just so happy and ecstatic that I was like, I told my parents, and I told them, and I told Coach Cole, I'm like, I want to commit now. Like, this is the only school that's given me the opportunity, so I've got to take it and run with it. That's awesome. So. Yeah, dude, that's That's like, I think, yeah, like obviously in the moment there, like leading up to that, you might have felt, uh, you know, I don't know what the right word is, but just kind of like, you know, shunned away by the whole process, that recruiting process, which has been so stressful for a lot of guys. And I think as I continue to get all these guys on here, guys who are in my shoes and your shoes and like have gone through that, people don't realize, man, like that. Uh-huh. That shit is stressful. Like, that is so stressful, oh. even when you're not, um, you know, like you said, it's not like you're debating between a bunch of different schools, but, like, the decision remains the same. Like, it's still that magnitude of a decision. I'm glad that, um, you know, really felt like that was it for you right there. But um, did you commit right away? Was that it? Like, after that, I waited, like, a, like probably two weeks because after they offered me, I had kissing. Um, Kiffin was going to offer. Finley was talking about offering me. And I know GV was going to run it for a little bit. But, like, when I came on this visit, like, I just felt at home. Like, the guys were genuine. The coaches were genuine. That's awesome. And, I mean, I felt at home. So, like, I told my parents, I was like, look, this, I feel like this is going to be my home for the next four years. And I can't see myself anywhere else. And I know they're going to give me every opportunity to succeed. So I might as well take it along with it. I mean, they supported me 100%. That's great to hear, bro. And isn't it funny, too? Like, you're a guy who does not, like you said, you don't have a single offer. All of a sudden, Sienna comes in, and they really see the player that you are and see what you could be, I guess, more importantly, in the right. next couple of years, how they can develop and fit into their system. Then all of a sudden, you know, X, School X and School Z, they all of a sudden have this interest because, oh, they offered this guy? So I think that right. kind of carries a little bit of the weight, too. Like, those coaches obviously have respect for Sienna Heights because, you know, oh, Sienna offered this kid. Like, you know, he might be legit. You know what I mean? Like, that carries a little bit of weight. Right. I think that's pretty sweet. Right. Right. Yeah, for sure. So I, th- I think that's really cool because um, I-, I think oftentimes all it takes is a kid for to just get one offer. Then I think bare minimum, you're looking at the rest of the teams in that league at least is like they're going to have at least oh, a yeah. little bit of interest. You know what I mean? Oh, yeah. And it always works like that. It always does. Because I see a lot of kids, um, even my brother. My younger brother, he's going through that right now. He's a junior. Okay. And he's still waiting on that first offer. And I know once he gets one, I mean, then they start rolling in. And that's just how the process works, like, unfortunately. But, I mean, yeah. Yeah, that's good to hear, man. Now, I know myself, playing in the OAA Red, right, we play against teams like West Bloomfield, teams like Southfield. And, uh, by the way, you see uh, Coach Bellamy just got a job with Michigan. Yeah, yeah, I saw that. Pretty crazy. So, 
Yeah, very happy for that guy. I love competing against him, but that rolls right into what I was about to say. Talk about the guys in those teams. They have no problems picking up offers. They always bring in that top-level talent. So I know I was a guy who played with a chip on my shoulder because, like, you know what I mean? Like, these guys have got, have all this, right. all this. Like, let's go and show them. Let's go show them, like, what we're about. You know what I mean? I would assume that you kind of had a really oh, yeah. similar mindset. Oh, yeah, for sure. I mean, when you're going against top talent like that, I mean, you got to come with the A game. Because I know when I was in high school, I was playing against Tristan Jackson. Um, oh, yeah. Ron Mosley, like, all those guys. I mean, some of them are in the NFL right now. And I'm just thinking, like, I was going to deal with these guys, like, Few years back, like it's crazy, crazy man, think about. It's crazy. Like, yeah. So yeah, you got to come. Like I know when I was in high school, just like you. I mean, when we played teams like those, I mean, had to come with our A game because you knew a lot of people were going to be watching. Yeah, so. for sure, man. That's awesome. Now, um, your expectations coming into the program. We talked about if you had any doubts initially, which was a resounding no because you were just you know, right away felt like this was home, which was awesome. Now your expectations mm-hmm. coming in, now looking back on it, having been in the program for this amount of years, you know, what has, you know, kind of changed for you and were those expectations kind of all met or maybe even exceeded by this program? Oh, yeah, the expectations have for sure been exceeded. I know when I came in, um, Coach Cone, that was his first year and his first year as a head coach, and he completely – change the culture of the program. And he takes the stand on family and being real with one another. And ever since he brought that into the program, I mean, you've seen it change. It's been like night and day compared to when I came in, compared to now. And like I said, it's just a night and day difference. And it's just beautiful to see. That's awesome, boss. That really is. I think, you know, when players can come on here, I love it too because, like, I love hearing players just like go on about their coaches and like that are really happy to play for them. Cause you don't get that everywhere. Obviously, you know that I'm sure you've got guys who are not as fortunate to be in the same situation that you're in, but um, that's about all I've got for you for the Siena side of things and all of that. But I did want to kind of touch on, you know, cause after this conversation, we're going to get into some, so some uh, NCAA recruiting violation talk, which is not something we get to talk about too often, but um, I didn't want to talk okay. about that. So I'm assuming you've heard about the McDonald's bags going around in Tennessee. I did. I did. did. So, I mean, that's like obviously exploded onto like the social media scene and everything, which is totally hilarious. But um, what did you, what did you take away from all that? I mean, it's been, it's been known for years that, I mean, I feel like guys have been handed money under the table. Oh yeah. It happens all the time. It's just the, it's just the matter of like how they were doing it, which I think has kind of caught everybody by surprise. Right, like, <laughs> like out of all places, like you, you hand the money in the McDonald's bag. <laughs> like what? Like, like you ain't got like, nothing better to do. Like I remember reading the caption and thinking to myself, like, out of all things you could have done, like, really, like this is the yeah this is the way. Like, yeah, <laughs> and then, and then it was like there were some NFL players coming out, like, um, kind of. It was just kind of interesting too. They were coming out like, "All right, who snitched? Like, which one of you? Which one of you uh, snitched on the rest of the fellas that were getting these Happy Meal bags?" Like, they were like, "If I was getting paid like that, I'd shut right up, bro." Man. <laughs> so, Man, uh, I thought that was kind of funny, and we'll dive into that more in a little bit here. But Nick, can't say I appreciate you enough, my man. Um, really enjoyed having you on today. Man, thanks for having me. I greatly appreciate it. Of course, dog. I'll be following you, and uh, best of luck. Uh, thanks, bro. All right. See you, Bob. Great talk with Nick.
I'm excited to uh, kind of follow him this year and see For what sure. that Siena team does because, like you said, I didn't really know about the rivalries because I don't. Obviously, we don't know too much about all of that. Yeah. Um, but like Concordia, Siena. Marion, St. Francis, all those teams were nationally ranked for the NAI last year. I had Top no 25. idea. I had no idea. They play some really good talent. And I know, um, you know, he said, this might be a little much, but he said they play NFL talent every week. So, hey, hey whether it is or whether it isn't, they're playing high-level guys every week. There's obviously not a lot of slouches. Um, you have a couple teams in there that are kind of startup programs that are still trying to find their way yeah. in that WAC conference. But um, really enjoyed that conversation with him. I hope we get some more NAI guys in the future because – um, they're on a pretty similar level to us at the D2 level. And I think, um, you know, obviously the competition is a little bit, especially in the GLIAC, like we have a very strong conference here in the GLIAC. Yeah, but um, there are definitely some guys in the NAI that can play in the GLIAC and the other way around. You know what I mean? Like there's a lot of guys that can be interchangeable. It's just all about where they end up, what situation was best for them. Yeah, so, I think it's all situation-wise. It really is. And that's that's a good thing, though. That's a good thing. But I mean, let's talk. We talked to him a little bit about the, uh, the McDonald's bag at Tennessee. But... Let's go right into our college football talk for today. Scandalous NCAA recruiting news. And they, the volunteers, they are making the best Happy Meals ever. And that is handing out. Uh, this is actually broken by the Dan Patrick show, which is not usually the news source that breaks this <laughs> type of news, right? So I wonder where he got that bit from. Is this some type of connection? It's probably. I guess so. But he was the one that broke the fact that the Vols were handing out McDonald's bags full of cash to recruits. And the best line I've heard so far that's come out of all this social media, whatever, is that the Big Mac came with a big stack. <laughs> that's awesome. I'm sure it did. Bro, people are clever, but I love that. I think that's hilarious. But Tennessee fired head coach Jeremy Pruitt on Monday after an internal investigation into the claims about paying recruits, but he wasn't the only coach to get the axe. Listen to this. The Vols also got rid of inside linebackers coach Bryant Niedermeyer. I hope hopefully pronounce that right, outside linebackers coach Shelton Fenton, quality control coach Larry Harold, director of player personnel Danny Stiff, and multiple directors of football recruiting and other player personnel that adds up to over 10 members of the football staff. Dome. Yeah. And Tennessee has been like a revolving door for head coaches. Have you Pretty noticed much. that in like the last couple of years? So now they're like calling for if they're going to get another head coach, like I mean, not if, when they're going to get another head coach, like yeah. – Get a guy that's been on the staff for a while, please. That's not going anywhere. Yeah. Like, holy cow. That's got to be miserable to be a fan of that program right now. Yeah. And my aunt is actually a professor at Tennessee. So, oh, wow. I'm, not that she's the biggest into their football and tied to their success, mm -hmm. but, you know, feel bad. Feel bad for the Vols. Um, <laughs> I just think I keep going back to, like, imagine a recruit. I wonder how that exchange goes down because I wonder how much the recruit knows going in, right? Yeah. Or, like, because they don't just—I would assume they don't just hand them the bag and then they don't know anything about it. Because they would be so surprised, right? Yeah. So how do you hint at that? But they're not allowed to actually come out and say that, right? Because they could get in real big trouble, right? If they say that. Yeah. But I wonder how that goes. Like, what do they hint at? And the recruits obviously have to know what's going on, or else this wouldn't have been going on at all. Like somebody yeah, exactly. would have been caught. So I wonder how how do you how would you hint at that? What would you do? You're a coach. You're trying to get this guy to come to play at school at your school. You know what? I have no clue. <laughs> that's about as far as I'm going to go. I'm, that's no that's what I've been thinking about. I'm trying to rack my brain. Like, what do you tell kids so that they're not surprised when you hand them ten to fifteen thousand dollars in a? I don't know if it's that much, but you know, thousands of dollars. I, I would definitely say, yeah, thousands of dollars in a bag. What do you tell them so that they don't immediately like get a weird reaction? Yeah. Out of um, I don't know. Give them a fat wink, or I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> Give them a fat wink. I don't know. That's that's what I've been thinking when about. You're meeting this one whole on time. One, hey, 
when you look in your McDonald's bag, yeah, just don't be surprised. Just don't be surprised. Just don't look shocked, and then yeah, we won't get in trouble. Oh, dude. If you want to keep it, don't look shocked. <laughs> yeah. <I> was... <laughs> if you want, if you want what's in there, don't look shocked. And like Nick made a good point. Like that goes on every year. The okay, fact and I'm pretty sure you you could do it at any program at any time. Something is being violated at yeah. every school. It does not matter. It does I would not agree. Matter. And I think hopefully we see some kind of like um, not that I'm condoning like cheating or anything like this, yeah. but hopefully we see some type of uh, payment or otherwise for guys who really need it. Because there are a lot of guys at those schools. Like a scholarship is yeah, it's great. But, like, sometimes their families are in very bad situations or, like, then you get the top 1%, like the Trevor Lawrence yeah. and the Justin Fields who might actually make a killing off of their likeness and things like that. So it's a totally different conversation. Yeah. But I hope we – which I think we have. I think Whitmer signed some type of bill, at least for the state of Michigan, yep. it was the first to start opening the doors for that type of for legislation. Yeah. yeah. So I, I really hope we start to advance that as a country what nationwide thing. Um, I don't see it really anytime in the future. We have some more pressing issues going on right now. So start selling some uh, some jerseys at the yeah in the dome. There's going to be some Manzo and Keen jerseys hanging up in the dome. We'll see about that. <laughs> Maybe in a couple of years. Maybe in a couple of years. We'll make four it four to five. <laughs> four to five. No, oh, but uh, the other NCAA scandal we had for you guys today is at Notre Dame actually, and this kind of got shoved under the rug. I don't know if you saw anything about this. I would assume no, based on the reaction. Hold on. Yeah, you're trying to like give it a read there, but um, I think no, because I, of I, I did not because of the Tennessee this. thing. I think this news kind of got shoved under the rug, which Notre Dame probably really enjoyed because this was not blasted <laughs> yeah. everywhere, which it should have been, right? Because yeah. of the prominence of their program. So what I'm hinting at here is the Notre Dame a coach gets fired after having a legal contact with a recruit, and the program gets a laundry list of punishments. Now the illegal contact. Um, we're not talking like pedo or something here, like relax, but it's literally, all that means is like, it's COVID times. You're not allowed to meet with yeah. recruits, like and be face to face or whatever. So I'm sure um, it's probably at home visit. All that kind I'm of, sure. Cause yeah, I, something like did that. you get yours before COVID hit? Oh yeah. Yeah. I didn't really, we were scheduled to, I think I like know. a couple weeks after, um, that stinks. COVID came yeah. through. So I didn't get mine, but oh. I mean, it's whatever. I'm, yeah, I well, know. You, I knew the coaches you figured since, it out. Yeah, but summer. that does think that would have been cool. Yeah. Um, but you know, a lot. Although, like I said, a lot of the specific details are not included, which I'm sure is on purpose. What we know is that an assistant coach from the Fighting Irish made contact and probably met with a recruit, which is you know, like I said, a big no-no right now. COVID protocols. This is one of only three cited uh, violations. Uh, or citations from the cited violations, excuse me, by the NCAA. So we'll get into Notre Dame's punishment in here. So that includes a $5,000 fine, which is chump change for the program. I don't understand why they even include that. Yeah. $5,000. There are probably $5,000 in those McDonald's bags. And that's what you're going to get them for? Like, Yeah, pretty much. And I think for them, too, the NCAA, like, that's kind of a, like, no guts. You know what I mean? Like, if you're going to get somebody and you're going to stick them for this, like, make an example out of them. Yeah. You know what I mean? Make an example out of them. Make sure other other programs aren't like, oh, what if we get caught? $5,000. Oh, no. You know what I mean? Yeah. Make an example out of these guys. Make sure that other schools don't do it. They did have some other punishments, though, that were actually a little bit more severe, not monetary-wise, but they had a, the loss of an unofficial visit. Um, so that's going to be big. I don't know how many recruits that affects or if it's just the one or whatever. The, the details in this are so vague. Yeah. It's so, it's so interesting. So it just kind of leaves us to speculate. But um, – there's a six-month show cause order for the assistant coach who made the violation. You ever heard of that? Because I haven't. I have not. 
So I did a little bit of uh, research here. It's basically a penalty that requires him to appear in front of a board and verify that he's following all the NCAA regulations. So a nuisance. Yeah, basically. Like you messed up. It's almost like a probation type thing, right? Probation, timeout, make you a little embarrassed. Yeah. That's all. It's just a nuisance. Like, oh, I got to go report to a board because of this. You know what I mean? So kind of a nuisance there. But this is the one right here, this last punishment that I think is actually would be the one thing to deter any other potential schools from, like, you know, being not worried at all is that the short they had their unofficial visit period shortened by 14 days. Yeah, it's going to kill. That has to kill. That's probably the biggest blow, like I said, out of all of these due to an already shortened schedule. Right now, the amount of days you can get kids on campus, we know this too at the Division II level, the amount of days you can get kids on campus unofficially, officially, whatever, that has been shrunk so much, and all the regulations are so tight. So for that, I mean, that coach is, uh, it's Brian Kelly, right, from GV. Yeah. So there's a little GLIAC tie in there too. He won a national championship at uh, Grand Valley State before heading to uh, Notre Dame there. He was at Central first though, right? Yeah. Yeah. But eventually made his way to Notre Dame. But for me, that's that's the biggest hit for them. That's the biggest hit. That's Yeah, that's really going to be detrimental in all of those. Yeah, I'm just not a Notre Dame, Notre Dame guy though, just to be honest. like I was when I was younger. Were you? Because my uncle. My uncle was a huge fan of them. And I, I really never have been. I don't know what it is. I don't. I never lo- I really felt like love like any of those guys in those teams. Like never one of them stood out to me and like, oh, I really could root for this guy type of deal, yeah. you know. And then um, they've had some great players. I just remember obviously. Manti Yeah, I remember that name, of course. Yeah. That was awesome. Um, and then now, like even when you saw like Chase Claypool started to light it up this year, and then he comes out and he's being a jag all over social media. Oh yeah, can't stand him now. For I just, just him and Juju, man. I don't know what I don't know what it is. I man. don't know how Juju connection. went from. Probably the most liked to the most Isn't that unreal? Isn't that unreal? So, a couple points about that. I mean, we're going to wrap up the pot here pretty soon anyway, so it doesn't matter. We can go off topic. But Juju, like you said, and he's kind of under that, like, thing of, like, any press is good press, right? Yeah. You know what I mean? And I saw a great point on Twitter that said something along the lines of, like, how many of his five, three to five, I don't know if I forget how many, how many of his X million TikTok followers even know that Juju lost a playoff game today. Probably half, maybe less. Right, like that's. I mean, or maybe more. Excuse me. Yeah, I, I don't know, but like not all of them. You know, not all of them did. Yeah. So I thought it was pretty interesting. Like the dude's building a brand, and I guess you have to respect that in some capacity. But at what cost? You're gonna destroy your name and your like this your reputation in the NFL because you know dance on logos for a little bit of clout. Yeah, I, I don't really – I mean, I when I said that he went to the most hated, I'm one of those people that are just not very big fan of him. Oh, I can't stand him now. I can't. Just, I mean, not that I was huge on him before or anything. I haven't, like, done a 180. I, just had a I was very indifferent. for him. Yeah, I was very indifferent on him before this year. That, so That's really about it. Yeah, but that's it for the NCAA uh, violations. We'll see what kind of college, new, college football news gets kicked up here uh, in the next couple of weeks. Obviously, no more college football being played. Maybe looking at like, some coaching changes, player transfers, stuff like that. Obviously, still going to have those guests um, from the college football world. Next week, we'll have the NMU running back and return specialist Tyquan Cox on the podcast, so that'll be fun. And then still looking for that other guest spot. Potentially, we've got a couple Division three head coaches that potentially could be on there, maybe from mm-hmm. uh, Albion here in Michigan or uh, Manchester College in uh, Indiana, I believe. So yeah. looking tonight, you know, maybe we'll see. We can get some uh, big-time names on here, but definitely excited for next week. Zach, thank you. Appreciate thank it. You. Everyone. If you made it this far, 
You're a real one. You know it. Chiefs are winning, by the way. Chiefs are winning. Chiefs are winning. We'll get into I it hate next the week. Box. <laughs> <laughs> Division one rejects. Thank you for listening.